When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast. I'm Liam Bryce and today I'm joined by Michael Gannon and Greg Young at the end of what's been a very disappointing season at Parkhead. We'll take a look back at where it all went wrong and ponder what the future may hold ahead of one of the most crucial summers in the club's recent history. Uh, so, gents, that was not quite the season that what self, well, every Celtic fan had envisaged and indeed hoped for um, way back last summer. Uh, we'll maybe not spend too much time pouring through the coals because it's obviously it'll be a painful lesson for a lot of people. Um, but I suppose it's the end of the season, so we do have to look back and it just you know where did it all go wrong? Uh, so I've come to you one at a time, Michael. I know it's not an easy question to answer, but where, where do you think it did it, go, it went wrong this season? Is there a simple explanation, or is it a multitude of factors? What tell us about it? It's, listen, it's a, it's a big, it's a big question with a big answer, isn't it? It's, um, there's an absolute whole raft of reasons where, where it went wrong this season, um, right from the top to bottom. I mean, I think you go back to the summer, the recruitment wasn't right, um, the players were brought in, I think on paper, I think the end of the window it looked like international players, like Sir Laxal, Shane Duffy, Albina Yeti, these kind of guys. But it, it didn't work. I mean, I think if you, if you dig, dig deep into the, the, a lot of them, their, their playing histories, there was kind of warnings that they might not be the, the kind of um, the players they were on paper. I think David Turnbull was the one that did actually turn out to be a good signing. Signing's not great. Then sometimes, listen, I, I do think sometimes what can go wrong does go wrong. It's like this, this season's almost seemed kind of cursed. I mean, you go back to the kind of um, the, the COVID carry on with, with ball and goalie. At that time, it caused a kind of outcry, uh, and it lost Celtic for three games, or three games at the start of the season. Um, which we've seen later on in the season that didn't happen with other clubs and players and individuals and all that kind of stuff. It, it, it was a bad timing, and it set Celtic back right at the start. And they're always playing catch up, and it didn't leave much margin of error. And then the three things started to go wrong: the momentum against them, those poor decisions. And they compounded poor decisions by making further poor decisions. I mean, I think they obviously go look at Dubai, but that time the season was gone anyway. But it was just a kind of myriad of, of, of issues that they just pile up. Um, and it, it, it took its toll. It's like, I think you said there's a disappointing season. That's a kind of understatement of the year. I think it was a disaster. <laughs> I, I think Mix pretty much nailed it there in terms of the issues but there was one even going back now it's it's easy to forget because it's been such a, a shambles of a season uh, there was that run of fixtures after uh, French Varos and Lennon's post-match stuff about players that might not want to be there but I think it's easy to forget now Celtic might have won eight or nine games in a row after that but they were torture to watch so I had that feeling we get Sarajevo St Johnson away there was these run of games in Lennon 
I remember listening. Obviously, you would you'd been emboldened by the fact that we're winning games but not playing well. But the warning signs were there. That's why when they lost two 0 to Rangers in the Saturday game, and then Milan and Aberdeen, that's when it started to kind of uh, go downhill very quickly. But it been all the signs had been there. There was those qualifiers. Like Sarajevo and Riga, it was like a former torture watching it, not creating chances. It was last minute goals and fighting their way through. They did show team qualities, and I think that was almost like a muscle memory of these players who'd won trophy after trophy. But then, as soon as it did finally go wrong and the results changed, there was no way out of that. So, that one protection that Lennon could maybe call upon. Uh, or we're not playing well but listen we're still because they did I know it seems a very small point but they were top of the league going into that first game against Rangers which at times it's like one point or whatever but in their head they were still the top team and we're not playing our best but our, our best days are ahead is and then after that run of games it became quite clear and there was just no way out of it do you know because everything that was going wrong was already evident the whole way through from the summer those early friendlies away the early games of the season when Kilmarnock away they were I think it was uh, Kibamba that had uh, Iron Julian and Fitz and then that's why Shane Duffy came in and he's a big bruiser, he'll sort things out. So there's so many issues, like, and just in terms of performances, it wasn't until later on in the season, I think that run just before Christmas, uh, obviously the Sorrow and Turnbull get brought into the team and there was a couple of performances that made you just start, I think Hamilton away in box and Davis pretty decently, you know what I mean? It, was, it wasn't Leo the home game as well, stuff like that, but overall the actual performances were at such a poor level for so long that it was impossible. There was no quick fix and miracle recovery as well this season. It was just never going to happen. And I think I, that's the issue fundamentally. I know there's been all the extra curriculars that have gone on, but this was just a team that didn't play well all season long when it mattered. And uh, that's what you need to start with a new management team, new players coming in next season. They're able to start afresh, but um, I, that's for the 10 in a row that what was on, on the table this season, they weren't ever able to play well once. It was a hard watch for everyone involved, I think. After that first Old Firm game, Youngie, they, they played 38 games from that game in October and they won 16. Incredible. 16 wins out of 38 games. I mean, like you're right, the, the seeds were sown during that run. I think there was games at St Murn and Livingston in that run as well. Alarm bells were ringing all over the place. They were getting away with it at that point in time. That couldn't keep up and eventually they stopped getting away with it. Um, one is Ross County away. Ross County away. They, they won 5-0 up at Ross County. And honestly... Wasn't it? I think Lennon even said himself it was, it was yeah. just jointly to try to play the free at the back. It was that was the whole season. That was it. That was that. I think that goes back to recruitment as well because it, 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 under Neil Lennon and understanding John Kennedy, I don't, I don't think they ever really had a, a, a structure and a formation and a setup that ever looked comfortable. I think I think it goes down to the players. They didn't have the the players didn't have enough wide players to play a four two three one or a four three three. They tried to play um, three at the back. But they didn't really have proper wing backs that could play that that role, um, or strikers that could play up front in that that kind of system. Then they mentioned the four three, the four the four two diamond, which by the way they've won they won five out of the last ten games of that with that diamond under John Kennedy. So none of these formations worked because the players they had didn't fit the formation. So it was almost like they had all these players and tried to find a way to make them play, and yet they never they never seemed to pull it off. They never found a way to, to get the best out of these players in these positions. And once the, confidence, once the confidence went, it just that was it gone. You see it in front of goal, they're completely bereft of confidence. Um, it, it, it's a really a season that, that promised, should have promised so much. It was kind of done and dusted by kind of November, December, wasn't it? It was, and then since then the club's been in a kind of holding pattern since the new year. It's, a, it's been a kind of grim campaign. Yeah, I mean, you go back. You mentioned that there, Michael. Like none of these players fitted that. Um, 
any of the formation. So it, be, it makes you ask, you know, what was the, the thinking during that summer, bringing these players in? But there must have been some sort of, you know, well, these guys can come in and play in that system. But it became evident so quickly that none of them really, really quite fitted what they were looking to do. No. The three five three five two was a plan because they, they won the league the year before, albeit in the, the curtail season. Playing three five two after Christmas done really well. Um, so I think that maybe the, the, the thought was three five two. You think maybe Laxalt was as a wing back, so maybe Laxalt made that, that made that decision, uh, and then you got Frimpong on the other side that could play the wing back. But then you be the strikers up front. Griffiths comes back; he's not fit till Christmas. Sign that a Yeti didn't never really look fit either. At all at any point in the season, he slapped a couple of goals, but never looked fit. So he didn't, he didn't have too many to play up front. So they ended up playing Nelanusi up front. He's a wide player in a, in a 4 2 3 1. It played very well in that position at times. Then he ended up playing as a second striker. Christie played as a second striker because another striker's worked. The full back positions, I say, well, I mean, obviously, and goal was a bit of a, a situation, was a, was a bit of a nightmare for them. Um, but the last side of the part, from on the poor season, there was no replacement for him, really, they had to get a, like, a loan sign once the season was done. Injury to Graham James Forrest was another factor as well. So it never had a, a structure. You couldn't, you couldn't really say what Celtic's best lineup looked like, really. Um, and, and, and it was it became very laboured and pedestrian and slow. A lot of lack of pace in the team. Quite easy to defend against. I mean, I even watched it on Saturday at Easter Road. But has put out a second string and just basically camped in and said, like, try and beat us. And so they couldn't. They couldn't even beat Celtic uh, Hibs reserve team really, um, because. The way they play, it's, it's so it's so kind of one-dimensional and so kind of um, um, obvious to, to, to how you defend against it. Yeah, Graham, I think back to like September, October time, and I think it maybe came from you know the fact that we'd seen Celtic so many times before just come good at the right time, uh, and there was maybe like I'm not saying it was a completely widespread assumption, but there was. There was a reasonable level of assumption that, that it was going to turn at some point and that it was going to be all right. But did there come a did there come a point for you where you realised that this isn't going to get any better, this is broken? I think that's interesting you say that because I genuinely think the Rangers 2-0 game was that you would go Celtic losing that game. It was off the back of we said their eight or nine wins, but it was so far off the pace. And that's when you started getting the stuff after the game as well. When and spoke about people doing his in with team lines and all that, but you could have Rangers could have not known the team until they came out of the tunnel and it wouldn't have mattered because it was just they weren't um weren't up to scratch and then it was quickly the the, the fixtures at that period, it was just manic if you remember right. It was like that in between the international games you had like so straight after it was Milan and then Aberdeen away. Aberdeen was probably the one as well, the weekend after in the league, um free trap Pitodre where Celtic showed their usual grit. We're one 0 down, I think they were two one up and three two up. And then Shane Duffy there was a bit of uh, I can't. I, I seems I'm not taking them. I can't remember the mistake he made, but there was a mistake he made. I think he gave the ball away in the far corner. Perhaps he helped the ball, helped the ball off a striker. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, and it turned the ball over in the last minute. And that was it. And um, put the ball out of the stands. Really, put the ball out. That was it. And then Leo in the Thursday night. I'm pretty sure it was a two each. They played really well, Celtic. And um, they're two 0 up and couldn't win that game. And it was just games like that. And for Celtic, the the MO or what they're about as a club is even when they have bad results or singular events and they very quickly turn them around. But this season, it just... So this idea that in between the John Barnes season and this season, Celtic either won the league or lost it in the last day of the season 
out with the Tony Mowbray season. So one season out of 20, whatever it was, Celtic either win the league or they come very, very, very close to doing it. And this year, it just became so apparent early on that that wasn't going to be the case. Like There was just too many. So it was basically, it was like 100 holes in the roof. Do you know what I mean? They, were, they could plug maybe wee gaps and find solutions here and there, maybe, but there were just problems everywhere in terms of the football side of it. Like Too many issues, too easy to play against. Mick covered it there, pedestrian, slow lack of goals lack of kind of and then the forest injury but nothing mattered it was Julian that was the big thing I remember people oh, when Julian's back things will change his first game back they lost 4-1 to uh, Sparta Prague and there was nothing not one singular thing would have fixed even if Edward had caught fire there was just too many issues right for the, the, the team this season there was never going to be a way out of it and Rangers obviously look at the points total you know, and there's a Celtic team out with the Invincibles team that I think would have topped that anyway so yeah you're up against it for that point. Maybe they put on more pressure, but I don't think they were ever going to win the league. Well, listen, I think I think you can blame the manager, the players, the formations and signs and all that stuff. But the, the board's got to be taken a, 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 a question as well because you look back that run you're talking about, at Youngie, they, they went one win in twelve games to December the, the fourth or fifth. I think it was St. Johnson, the last one. Eleven games in one win. That's what it was. Horrendous run of games. There was fans protesting. You name it, chaos around the club. Everyone could see it. The, the season unraveling, but there was thirteen points in it in the league that year. With two at that time, with two games in hand, so a thirteen point gap with two games in hand. So potentially, I'm not saying potentially, can't guarantee it. Could be seven points, right? The only two games in hand at that point in time. That's December the fifth. Neil Lennon went on to start to the end of February. So a, a season that was it was kind of hanging on the drain but wasn't quite in the drain because a seven point gap potentially would be an old firm game away it could be a four point gap you mean, all of a sudden the heat is on and you ask the question of your of the arrival so it didn't ha- have any questions asked really on a weekly basis but the board sat and hoped for the best and that was, that was the time of the we'll put, we're doing the review and all yeah. that stuff they hoped for the best and what happened it got worse the results got worse over the period of time that's interesting you bring that up, Mick, as well, because I think there's maybe two factors that come into my head. That one, not long ago, doing another piece about Celtic, it was uh, the Dermot Desmond quotes about the fact that we'd always kind of the earmark for a, a big rebuild, the big big reset this summer. And maybe that was in the head as well, but always remember that there was a real strength, a feeling, wasn't it, at the time about Lennon getting the cup final. So, you know, he deserved to win the quadruple because... That was they're just. But when you look back, when you now in the cold light of day, when the point gap was, it was pretty manageable. If things were bad, it's bad, right? But listen, I mean, Spurs sacked Jose Mourinho the week of a cup final. Uh, Chelsea had a, a club legend in charge, gave him the bullet at the same time. They're in the Champions, they're in the Champions League final, and they've had a top four in England. So you can, you can change your manager. What they did, I, I can understand slightly because the run of fixtures to Christmas at that point were pretty tame. But that should actually have been the opposite. I mean, because Celtic were quite good. I should have won those games before Christmas. And they did. They won five in a row before Christmas, kind of the old farm game. They kind of stopped the, the slides from that one in, one in 12, whatever it was. Um, but the warning signs were, were so loud and screaming up to that point. They were always going to win those five games. I mean, and it really was a particularly a straightforward run of fixtures, really. Um, so you couldn't let that blind them either. But that actually, that actually, those wins actually worked against Celtic. By winning those five games, it gave another month down the line with the same gap, but the same problems were there, and they got exposed again in the, the, the game against Rangers at Ibrox, or they played fairly well. But then, then you've got the, the whole tin, tin hat of the, the Dubai carry-on, which really did end the season. But I still I still look back at that period, 
at Cook Island is Ember thinking, was there an opportunity to save the season? I don't know, but we'll never know now because the Celtic board blinked and hoped for the best. And it turned out actually the worst case now unfolded for them. I do remember people saying at the time that that five games would have been sort of, if you're going to have to bring a manager in mid-season, then that would have been an ideal run to then let him get get his feet under the table before you then have to go and play Rangers. Well, it was a dead rubber, a dead rubber against Lil, uh, against Leo, wasn't it? The first mm-hmm. game that week, and then it was like uh, Hamilton at home, St Johnson, then um, United who were struggling at that point in time. I think it was that, that kind of fixtures. It would have been a fairly gentle introduction for someone. Um, but like I say, like, listen, it's water on the bridge now. It's too little, too late now. But it's not. It's not as if people weren't saying it at the time that listen. This is not working here. I mean, any Celtic team that goes a run of games of, of 1 1 and 11, I mean, any any manager at Celtic is going, to, is going to struggle to survive that. But Lenny, Lenny did survive. And listen, I get why he did because he, he did enough in the bank from the previous uh, season and a half when he was in charge after after Brendan Rodgers. And don't forget, I mean, he, his record here before was, was comparable with any Celtic manager in terms of wins and running trophies and all that stuff. But that's past history. In the present time, the team is malfunctioning. The, the signs were, weren't working, the formation wasn't working, the results weren't happening. So you think, at that point in time, could they salvage the season? Who knows? But we'll never know now because they didn't, they didn't have the kind of um, the kind of deep breath to go and do it. Yeah. Is there any, well, Graham, with the company, is there any positives we Celtic can take from the season? I know, I know personally you were hoping to get a look at some of the younger players in these sort of dead rubber games towards the end, but some of the, you know, John Kennedy been in charge. He's named some kind of quite safe lineup. Some of you were a wee bit disappointed with that as well. You're hoping to see you know, uh, if you could learn anything about some of the younger players. Definitely. I think John Kennedy uh, is part of a victim of this terrible season. Like, by all accounts, and anyone who knows him would say he's a straight up guy, uh, cares deeply about the club. I think there's this argument that the club's done well by John Kennedy. I think John Kennedy's uh, done well by Celtic as well. A, a guy who's been great work ethic, wanted to improve, been involved in some important coaching team, Brendan Rodgers helped me win the transition from that as well. Uh, but I did, I've got to be honest, looking back as well, the last few weeks, it's been really the conservative nature of the team selections and lack of, and then maybe that's just trying to get results and just see out the season, keep the points to whatever reason. But there was chances there, the boy Montgomery who obviously started against St Johnson, it's a great chance for him to play again. I don't see any reason why he didn't start Easter Road. And I said just before we started that Celtic teams back in the day and all teams really at the end of the season, Sean Maloney, this is when he kind of made his name and there's guys at Simon Lynch back in the day and different players who come on, McGeady's and different chances to play and make their breakthrough. I think it's an important point. Listen, nothing would have rectified the season for Celtic fans and uh, supporters, but just a wee bit more ambition. There's Dembele, Campbell could Dembele, much talked about player. There's something as well, the criticism has been in the past, he lacks maybe, if anything, there's no one doubting his ability and vision, but he might not have the pace. But even the other night, the goal against St Johnston, showed a good bit, but maybe he's developed a bit of speed. Why not start him? Why not play him against Hibs? There's no reason. Edward starts a game. We all very likely that he's going to uh, call time or Celtic will be the end of one year left in his deal. So it might be it's likely going to be the end for him. There's no reason. There's no farewell. Scott Brown's final game matters. Edward is a player who's been an important player part of the team. He doesn't need to start the game. There's no fans in the stadium. There's no big farewell considering what's going on this season. Just try different things. Like Mick said that. And maybe at times the problem is they've tried too much in terms of formations and moving back and forward. But I just feel in terms of personnel, John Joe Kennedy, let's be honest, right? There's, I think some of the criticism was pretty strong. You see, but he's, he's, he's not a top player, is he? Let's not kid ourselves. I don't think there's any... 
he's, he's a pretty safe player who's became even more conservative in his style of play the more games he's played very few risks not really trying different things I think he's solid enough in certain areas but there's got to be maybe a, a younger player that might have used those minutes you can some that Andy Nelson's been around the club a long time it seems unlikely he'll ever be the long term solution at right back but just in terms of personality even Sorrow who I think Celtic fans would admit at times when he came in for Brown in the nice the, the pick me up at Christmas he might lack the kind of discipline that Brown had but there was parts of his game that even if it turns out that Milo Soro doesn't, isn't a long-term answer at Celtic uh, for that defensive midfield role he'd benefit from minutes I just think there was so much of that like players playing like Brian Christie if he's got six months left in his deal what comes next does he have to start that game I don't think he does I know these players have got a tournament coming up as well maybe the argument is they've been faithful servants to Celtic and they deserve minutes to keep themselves ticking over but um, I just saw it at times especially in the last couple of months that there was an opportunity I think uh, supporters and a few guys in the media as well maybe try something different just some a jetty, a jetty. I don't know if he's going to play or be there long term, but I don't know. Just it feels at times it's very safe team selection. And I think that rightly would arc people because uh, I think there's no reason to play it so safe. Well, with the season over and done with now, it's a kind of obviously Celtic fans will be glad to draw a line under it. But I suppose what comes next also comes with a you know a, a certain level of it's a mixture of obviously optimism and obviously anxiety as well because it's a big big summer ahead for the club it's probably it's one of the, mentioned it earlier on one of the most crucial summers in the recent history uh, everybody's seemingly expecting Eddie Howe to come in as the new manager and he's quite sure as when it's going to happen um, so Michael how big a job is this for a new manager what, what is he going to have to do this summer it's Pretty huge. I mean, in comparable terms, when Martin Neal came in in uh, 2000, Celtic lost the league by, what was it, 21 points the year before. Um, I think this is a bigger job than that was. I think at that time there was Henrik Larson, there was Johan Mialbe, there was Paul Lambert, um, Jackie McNamara, Alan Stubbs. There was a team there to, to build from. Um, whereas this time, I think I think the new manager uh, was about needing about seven or eight starters. I mean, first team players. Um, so it's a huge job he needs to get in the, in the door quickly which is now not going to be quickly because it's going to be another week or so probably um, but he's got to get in the door and start recruiting very very quickly sort of, sort out the guys who if there's guys leaving they, they can't really let these guys hang about until the last day of the transfer window because that's money that's needed to get into the team as well so if Edouard's going get him out quickly if Ayer's going get him out quickly if Brian Christie wants to go have to sell him quickly I know, it's not, I know the market will determine how fast they go, but that's that's imperative because Celtic, it's going to take a lot of money as well. I mean, if you're talking eight first-team players, unless they need to get really creative and get a few, maybe a few free transfers or stuff, but they don't, they don't always, they don't, they don't find many of them, to be honest with you. So you could be talking two or three million pound players times eight, that's 25 million quid. I mean, that's a lot of money at a time when... The season tickets, what's happening with the season tickets? I mean, the, the fans are, are, are at loggerheads with the club. I series of meetings last week, didn't they? The fans with, um, with the new um, executive, Dominic Mackay, and, and some of the board went, apparently went appallingly. Um, but the fans were actually more enraged by the meeting than some of the performances, which is, it says a lot. Um, so there's a massive disconnect with the fans. I mean, you get the feeling, listen, if, if Eddie Howe gets unveiled next week, it's a bit like, it's a bit like the kind of planning the, the surprise party. When the person involved thinks there's a party, then gets put off, gets so put off by the people saying there's not a party, starts to take the huff. Do you know what I mean that's it's getting to that kind of feeling like 
I really, I really feel a bit kind of left out here. So the partners are getting kind of taken for a bit of a ride. I mean, they're, 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 I think they're feeling a bit like kind of, um, customers rather than supporters because this year has been terrible. I mean, they've had really nothing back in terms of value for their season tickets and all that stuff. The product on the pitch has been poor. And now they're in this vacuum waiting to find out what happens next. They need they need, uh, they need the manager rolled out with a scarf over the head and I promise things are going to be better. Um, I think that will come. I think it could be now days rather weeks away. But in the interim period until it happens, it's a pretty miserable existence in this kind of limbo they're in just now. Um, but it doesn't need to make a big statement. The manager rolled out. I promise there's going to be investment in the team. Um and I kind of vow that this season is, is, is going to be lessons going to be learned from this season. Is the number of players there that Mick mentioned there, Graham, do you think that's doable in a single summer? Mick made a good point there about getting creative. That's very important as well. It's got, there's a very fine balance here as well between... But then you start going back to the new season as well. That's a point maybe... Um, in terms of Rogers as well, he had a lot to work on. This is a different type of job. There's so much to do, so many unanswered questions. And I think we, you make the point there, Liam, about players coming in. Um, you might be able to get the talk of someone like a Josh King, a marquee name in a free transfer, the way Adam Belly was signed. That's great, but wages that come with signing like that. Then you, you're looking for the kind of Scott Sinclair equivalent or a player of that calibre. But to try and get five, six, seven, eight players that all hit the ground running, um, a massive, massive ask. That's one of the many chat. There's so many challenges. I know. I think Eddie Howe. The good news for Celtic fans is that looking for head. I think by all accounts, and not even by all accounts, it's evident he's a top manager. And this idea that he's all like, this, the bit that I think it's most underrated about Eddie Howe, in my opinion, this idea that oh, he finished twelfth and fourteenth. Like the guy, if everyone remembers watching match today, they were a progressive football team that never get pumped six 0 or they were they were always in games, giving the bigger teams games. Eventually you're going to reach an end point. You don't you sell the wrong player and you don't buy the right ones. Bournemouth are never going to be a twenty year guaranteed staying in the top flight when they, they talk about the money they spent every summer. I think how's job as much as it was impressive going up the leagues, I think the top flight was great. Now what Celtic need is from a know the players to come in quickly and make an impact. I think his knowledge of the British market, so to speak, in terms of guys like signings maybe in that championship week one, maybe young players he might have had earmarked for Bournemouth or on his radar, I think that'll be very, very important um, for Celtic. They've got Liam Shaw coming in for Sheffield Wednesday, who looks okay, looks again, like think as well, you, you might need to sign four players of Liam Shaw's ability and one of them or two of them will do well. So Celtic trying to get as many signings right as possible is a big, big ass. It's not always good. But then, sometimes I crest their wave when these signings. You know what it's like. New manager, things. Everyone's a better player all of a sudden. All the signings hit the ground run. It can be done, but there's a lot of variables in play. And I think Eddie Howe will be very wary of that in the new kind of recruitment setup, which as well, that's big, big questions to be answered how it's all going to look. So, uh, very exciting week and a couple of weeks ahead. Yeah, because it's not, as Graham mentioned, the recruitment trip. It's not just Eddie Howe who's the new man this summer. It's not just the new manager that needs to hit the ground running, is it? It's the signing department as well. Really. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we're talking about finding these kind of uh, hidden gems, but in the absence of our recruitment department at the moment, um, that's quite difficult, I'd imagine. Because <laughs> um, every other club in the world is looking for un- un- untapped gems as well. Um, I think I think Eddie Howe's in for, a, in for a bit of a shock as well. And I think... Um, the manager at Bournemouth, albeit in the, the top flight of England, isn't the same as being manager of Celtic. 
Um, or you might compare the leagues and say it's not not quite the same thing. But the demands at Celtic will take him aback. He will be surprised at the the scale of the club, the, the size of the demands. Um, he'll also be, I think, a little bit surprised and and kind of taken aback about the demands versus what the actually the reality as well is because he'll be his expectation will be to compete in Scotland, win the league, and eventually get to the group stage of Champions League. But his budget will be probably half of what it was when he was at Bournemouth in his last season in the Premier League. He had a £107 million wage bill at Bournemouth. So that market of players they had there isn't the same market it been uh, for Celtic. He did have that market when he was in the Championship and League One and all that stuff. Um, but he's got to try and take a team that costs the same as a Championship team to the Champions League. And that's, the, that's the job at Celtic. Taking a Championship budget into the Champions League um, Brendan Rodgers didn't always do it I mean he done it twice and then got, got a hard time when he got there but getting there was a, was a big deal but that's that's the dream of a Celtic manager win the league and get the Champions League on the budget of a, of a kind of not even a top championship team now a mid-ranking championship team um, and it's tough and listen the European qualifier is what 60 days away something like that now as well so it's a, a real baptism of fire and that's going to be a tough qualifier as well um, <laughs> In their saving grace, perhaps, right? And this is it's just putting it out there, the fact that they've got so much to do that perhaps a completely new team, right? It's not as if they've got the baggage of clue. It's many of the players, all these recent setbacks, and it would be a massive ass to go through the non-playoff route. You would need some big luck and massive performances. Yeah. But this isn't the same group of players who's had all these Copenhagen nights and college where it's gone wrong in the night. And I think that could only... Listen, if Celtic start fast, but again, it might, this might be a different time. This might not be a Neil or Rodgers. This might be how starting or coming on strong the second half of the season. And then it might be a different time. It could be a, a, a different for what Celtic fans hope. It could be, but listen, you know what it's like in Glasgow. If it doesn't off to a good start, the pressure's going to be on. And that's just the way, that's the nature of the job. And it's... it's that's what happens at big clubs, and I don't think that's something they were used to. Um, but you have to get used to it. Um, so it's going to be interesting, but it's a big challenge for him as well as the club behind the scenes. Uh, the, you know, it's obviously there's quite a disaffected fan base, but is there going to have to be a, do you think, a degree of patience in turning this around? You know, Graham, you, you mentioned um, before we come on um, about the kind of example of Stephen Gerrard being a slow burn at Rangers. And he was given time, but do, do you think it could end up being a similar situation here? Would an Eddie Howe get that amount of time if it had to be the case? It's hard to say, isn't it? It's, but I think the signs are there as well. It's just if you there's a feeling as well that for among some some Celtic fans, that Eddie Howe is the saving grace and everything that's going on. But there's just been so many individual things that have just just knock Celtic off that it takes more than just the manager himself to kind of turn that round but what happens to Celtic you know what it's like Stephen Gerrard did Stephen Gerrard was Stephen Gerrard and he had in his back pocket or in his pocket that he was a rookie manager Eddie Howe comes with big experience and a big name in terms of management ability and he's because of his age he's always been this kind of wonder kid down in the south and he's got many quotes to managers like Klopp and Guardiola you know it's lovely sound bites about what a talent he is and why he's, so he comes with a reputation he you watch the Gary Lineker interview that's a prime example of someone who sets himself um, a kind of high bar and works tirelessly to try and meet their kind of uh, similarities with the Brendan Rodgers style of training and working with players and developing that kind of style so I don't know if that ties in with a kind of 
Ronnie Dyla, bad start, when everyone can see what it says, and Amy will, nice guy, and it's just he's finding his feet. I don't know, but again, it depends on how far Rangers are playing. You never know, Rangers might have a sloppy start of the season as well, and so it might be close in the league. So there's, I think it depends how it goes. I think Champions League, this is new to Eddie Howe in terms of Europe, but I get a feeling it be a dab hand at it in the sense that like, look at his results when he goes to Old Trafford and the Emirates and he's beat he's got victories over all the top six in England and he was competing in most games and a lot of times especially Chelsea caused Chelsea a lot of problems close games one goal here or there uh, I think it was a run of six seven games it was always close for Chelsea that ties into a manager capable of building a team to play in Champions League or against big hitters like a Fenerbahce or a, a Benfica, whoever it is, that type of team that they probably will have to knock off if they're going to make the group stage this season. So, Eddie Howe might buy himself time by getting into the group stage or making a right good fist of it. And then even if the league results aren't quite there because, as we say, a new team, that he might be able to do something early on in his management that just kind of buys him a bit of extra time. And that could be, not saving grace, but something that kind of gets an early support as well as maybe good football in the park. Well, we shall see in the coming weeks and months, but that's all from us today. Thanks very much, as always, to Mick and Graham for joining me, and we'll be back next week with all the latest from Parkhead. Thanks for listening.